hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to be in the 13th episode of Martin DeHaan's The Days of Noah and it's titled Walking with God. Let's get to it. Our Lord Jesus, in referring to the days of Noah, called his disciples' attention to three chapters of the Bible, Genesis 4, 5, and 6. The first three chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, contain the record of creation, the entrance of sin, and man's banishment from the Garden of Eden. The next three chapters are a record of the results of man's sin in the lives of Adam's descendants, culminating in the judgment of the flood in Genesis chapter 6 to 9. These last days before the flood are, according to Jesus, a picture of the last days before the return of the Lord Jesus. The record of the days prior to the flood is one of violence, crime, murder, and wickedness, of which the Bible says in Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This might well be the description of the very days in which we are living. But thank God there was a faithful remnant in those days, just as there is today. The fifth chapter of Genesis contains two names which stand out in that faithless generation. These two men are Enoch and Noah. The record of Enoch is brief but packed with instruction. We have pointed out that he was the first spaceman in history and is a type of the church which will be raptured when Christ returns. But the balance of the revelation of Enoch is equally instructive. Here is the brief account in Genesis 5:21 through 24. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. All of the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Genesis five twenty-one through twenty-four. The New Testament adds a few details to this history of the first astronaut who lived before the flood. The writer of Hebrews informs us. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hebrews 11.5 The Apostle Jude also makes mention of Enoch and adds a bit of interesting information. He says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied or preached of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Jude 14 and 15. This is the extent of the recorded revelation concerning Enoch, the first astronaut. This man was so briefly described in these three passages of the Bible lived before the flood in the days of which Jesus said, as it was then, it will be when I come again. We may therefore look in the record of Enoch for a picture of these last days. Although brief, the record is inexhaustible. We shall mention only a few of the things which bear upon the subject of the second coming of Christ. One of the first things recorded about this man, Enoch, was that he walked with God. Of only one other man, Noah, it is said that he walked with God. This walking with God was evidently because of something which happened to Enoch when his famous son Methuselah was born. For We read that Enoch walked with God after he got Methuselah 300 years, Genesis 5.22. Somehow the birth of this baby boy who was to become famous for his longevity 
has such a profound effect on the father Enoch that it caused him to walk with God ever after. The reason for this was the revelation concerning a divine judgment which was imminent. This judgment was the flood, a picture of the coming judgment of God at the end of the age. Don't forget, as it was then, so shall it be again. Why Enoch walked with God we shall take up in a greater detail later. But first, we direct your attention to some facts about this walk. Enoch walked with God in a day when it was exceedingly difficult to walk with him. It was a day when the wickedness of men was reaching its climax and would soon precipitate the judgment of God. It was an age when wickedness abounded on every hand. Evil men were waxing worse and worse, and men became so degraded that they even surrendered their bodies to evil spirits. It was not an easy age for a believer, being surrounded by all the corruption, sin, and filth of that day. The conditions are graphically described in Genesis 6, and God is caused to say, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be a hundred and twenty years. Genesis 6, 3. It must have been a lonely life for Enoch as far as human friends were concerned. If you think the Christian life is hard today in this age of compromise, integration, apostasy, and departing from the faith, then remember Enoch. For as it was then, so shall it be when Jesus comes. Today the bars are down and the old paths are despised. Separation is an outmoded doctrine and standing for the faith is branded as bigotry and narrow-mindedness. Shortly before the late Dr. William L. Pettingill died, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Son, unless the Lord comes soon, those who will not compromise the gospel, who will not cut corners on the truth, but stand firmly on the faith once for all delivered to the saints, will find themselves squeezed into a lonely little company of despised nonconformists. I have lived to see the truth of that statement. The spirit of ecumenicalism and compromise with the inevitable surrender of our precious fundamental truths is upon us and gaining momentum day by day. As a result, many who once stood have yielded to the temptation of religious integration and fearing the disgrace of being called fundamentalist have joined hands with the enemy in an effort at union without regard to the truth of the word. The spectacle of seeing those once known as fundamentalists consorting with endorsing liberals and modernists who deny the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, his bodily resurrection, the inspiration of the scriptures, is a fulfillment of the days of Noah. Those who will not yield to the temptation, who will not endorse the doctrine of universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man, are finding themselves, like Enoch, outside the camp, in a place of rejection. But thank God, there is lots of room outside the camp to walk with God, like Enoch. Indeed, to walk with God, one must be outside the camp. The prophet Amos asked, can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3.3. 3. The secret of Enoch's walk was that while he was in disagreement with the world around him, he was in fellowship with God. He believed God and had faith in what God said. Hebrews tells us that by faith Enoch was translated. Furthermore, walking means progress as well as communion. And as Enoch walked with God, the Lord began to reveal his plan to him concerning the coming judgment of the flood. And beyond this judgment, at the end of this age, for as it was then, so shall it be again. This expectation of imminent judgment so stirred the heart of Enoch that he got busy. He began to witness, to testify, and preach to the ungodly generation. Jude tells us that Enoch prophesied, he preached, against the wickedness of his fellow men. And what was the message he preached? 
It was not a willy-nilly, namby-pamby, popular message of a loving God who will not punish his creatures nor bring the wicked into judgment. Oh, no. It was a message of judgment. The subject of his message was, Behold, the Lord comes. Enoch preached the second coming of Christ. To his generation, he proclaimed the coming of the flood. But his message went far beyond the flood, for, says Jude, Enoch preached the return of the Lord, coming with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all. It was not a popular message to the unsaved. It was not a harmless dissertation only on the goodness of God, nor a message of cheer up, brother, everything is coming out all right. Nor was it a message of revival as the hope of the world or the solution to man's problems, but rather it was a message of the coming of the Lord. As the only remedy for the world's dilemma, there is not one verse in the Bible which promises that this age, just before the return of the Lord, will be one of revival. But instead, the Bible declares without exception that wicked men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. With this, the words of Jesus agree when he said, As it was in the days before the flood, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There is not a hint that Enoch's preaching, nor Noah's preaching, resulted in a great revival just before the flood came. Enoch's message was not revival, but the coming of the Lord. Enoch was not a popular preacher. But in spite of the fact that Enoch preached the imminency of the judgment of the flood and walked with God, he was not a fanatic. The fact that he expected the Lord to translate him at any moment did not cause him to sit down with folded hands like Jonah awaiting God's judgment upon the wicked, but instead he lived a normal life while waiting that day. He was not an aesthetic or a holier-than-thou crank who withdrew himself from all the legitimate responsibilities of life. He was not a pious celibate, but a faithful father. Significant indeed is the statement that while Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah, he begat sons and daughters. While walking with God and living in the daily expectation of the end, he raised a family of children. His faith in God did not interfere with being faithful to his temporal responsibilities. As we said before, something evident happened to Enoch at the birth of his son Methuselah. It was no doubt the promise of his translation. While he knew not the day nor the hour, he walked daily in the expectation that this might be the day. This is more than merely suggested by the words of Hebrews in 11.5, by faith Enoch was translated. It does not say by faith he was saved, although that was also true, but he was also translated by faith. We ask the question, by faith in what? It must have been by faith in the word of God, by faith in some promise God had given him. He walked each day with God, and then finally one day the Lord said, This is as far as we have to go today. We're going to stay at my house tonight. And Enoch was translated, and God took him. Even so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The Bible adds a significant phrase, By faith Enoch was translated and was not found. Notice those three words, was not found. Although they had made fun of him and scoffed at his message, he was missed when he was gone. It must have recalled to their minds the message of this strange preacher that someday he would be gone. I can imagine that evening folks jokingly said, I wonder what old Enoch will tell us tonight. What will be his approach to scare us with his predictions of judgment and destruction? They go to the accustomed street corner where Enoch was wont to preach, intending to heckle him as usual, but there is no Enoch. They wait around a while, but he doesn't come. The next morning, the rumors circulated that Enoch didn't come home last night. They searched for him, but he was not found. 
As it was in the days before the flood, so shall it again be. The people of Enoch's day, while they missed him, evidently did not take the matter seriously, for they went on their wicked way until the judgment fell and they all perished. What a lesson for today. Those who rejected Enoch's message before his translation did not repent after his departure. The same is true today. Those who refuse the invitation of salvation today will not have a chance in the world after the church is gone. Those who have heard the message and have willfully rejected it will not have an opportunity after the church is raptured. Today is the only time in which God promises to save you. Tomorrow may be too late. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hebrews 3, 7 through 8. Well, guys, I hope that that has uh, helped you. And if it's been of any benefit, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And may today be the day of your salvation. Today is the day. Remember, none of us are promised tomorrow. So I hope today, today is the day that you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I hope that today is the day that you decide to start sharing with everyone you know, since we do not know what tomorrow holds. And until next week, God bless. Thank you.